Well, good morning, and we are getting very, very close to Christmas, only a couple of days away. We're excited to celebrate uh, as a, we have our family Christmas Eve service here on Tuesday at 6 o'clock, so uh, make sure you're here for that. But uh, today, I want to kind of uh, wrap up our series um, regarding Celebrate Christmas, kind of thinking about all of the things that the Christmas message means and why we should try truly celebrate Christmas. And so um, today I want to ask you a, kind of a rhetorical question, something to kind of get uh, you thinking ab- uh, about the season and, and different things is, is ask you the question is, who do you trust? What builds trust in your life? Now, for me, um, I am about to celebrate my 19th anniversary. Can you believe that? Uh, 19th anniversary, actually, in a couple of weeks here. And so if you uh, just actually uh, a week or so ago, my wife came to me in the morning and she said, did you know that our first date was 20 years ago today? I was like, whoa, we, I have known you a long stinking time. All right. So, I mean, you get up there, 19 years of marriage I'm going to be celebrating. Over the course of 19 years, you get to know a person pretty well. It's a little aggravating sometimes. I like to try to think of myself as a clever, like witty person. And then when you're with somebody for 19 years and like you say something like, I knew you were going to say that. Hey! Just still appreciate the appreciate the effort a little bit here, okay? Just because we've been married that long, but but over the course of nineteen years, there has um, there is something I've learned about my wife is that uh, I can trust her completely and totally with uh, with with a trip. Uh, shopping. My wife is the type of person, and other people are maybe different this time of year where they go shopping and it gets a little crazy and the credit cards start flying and they're like spending like a mad person. My wife is different. My wife is the person that we have to say, Elisa, you can buy something. It's okay. You know, you can buy, like she'll, she'll be there and she'll be like, you know, like for a while we had like these old plates and old like stuff that we got handed down like 19 years ago. I was like, at least it's okay if we buy like new silverware. It's okay. It's okay if we do some of this. Cause she's just the type of person to be like, this is fine. I'm fine with that. I'm very content with this. I don't need anything new. And like, like I'm sitting there like, hey, it's okay to buy something now and then. And she is very, very frugal. And she's very simple. And she doesn't like need very much. And like on birthdays, we get her something small. And she's this is perfect. This is wonderful. This is, I don't need very much. I'm, I'm good to go. And so at this time of year, and she went out shopping yesterday. She said she was going to go Christmas shopping. There's other people that I may say, hey, you know, like, let's call, let's make sure we're within budget. Let's make sure that we have like a little game plan for how much is, but with my wife, I'm like, go for it. Alisa, buy something. Okay. Buy something. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's Christmas. You can do it. Uh, and, and, and I don't have to worry one bit whatsoever uh, about that. Now, if, if you get me shopping in a credit card, I might, I might go a little bit overboard. Me and my daughter, my son and my wife, very, very simple. They will be very practical. There's another, I, I had a, a, 
you know, these moments you've built up over time and you see the patterns of how people act and how they respond. And at some point in time, over the course of multiple years, I have incredible trust in my wife in lots of areas. But that one in particular, no worries whatsoever. Go to the store and go crazy. It doesn't matter. Um, and I'm sure she'll 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 bring her coupon book and she will, she will come back with less than I would have. I, have tr- I trust her because of all of those years of knowing how she will respond in that situation. And so I think that kind of an equation, so to speak, of trust is it's promises made plus promises fulfilled builds trust over time. And you can think about that in all the relationships you have in life. And it may not be like a, a, a solemn promise or anything like that, but just kind of one of those things that you see these patterns time after time. Somebody says they will do something, they will do it, and they've repeated that practice time and time again. And over the course of years, there's people that you really, really trust, isn't there? There's people in your life probably that if you got a flat tire at midnight and couldn't like change or something like that, that you're like, I know I could call that person, right? I, I hope you have people like that in your life. Um, and and it's, it's really important to have that to say like somebody that I know I can count on in that moment. Every time I've called on you, every time I've asked you to go above and beyond or d- d- do something like that, every time you've given me your word about something, you followed through. I trust you implicitly. I trust you. And it's, there's great peace and comfort in having someone you can really trust. There's great peace and comfort in my life having 19 years where I'm just like, I, I don't have to worry about my wife at all whatsoever about these things. Like she is a very, very incredibly trustworthy person. And there's so much peace and there's so much like, so much like kind of comfort that comes with that trust built up over time and that trust year upon year upon year. And so So there is an incredible factor of promises made plus promises fulfilled equals trust that is really important to our personal peace and our relationships and our well-being and us being able to continue on with life, you know, even when things go wrong or things are difficult or things are out of order. I know I have this support system and people I can count on and people I can trust. I will tell you, through 19 years of marriage, uh, trust is very, very high. Also, I can tell you that I've been in a relationship with Jesus Christ for uh, years longer than that. And there have been many times where the trust level for me, and this is on me, wasn't necessarily super high. The stress level was more high. You know, I was like worried about certain things in life. My relationship got in certain ways. But over the course of years, what has taken place in my life is there's been moments of time where like I wasn't sure if something would work out well or I wasn't quite sure. And over and over and over, what has happened to me is God has fulfilled promises. God has fulfilled promises in my life, promises that he says in scriptures about about what will happen if I follow God. And, and after the course of several years, I got to tell you, it, the trust factor is really high. And it's something that is really valuable and really important in my life. 
It's really important to have kind of that net of friends and relationships, people you can trust. This is, there's a level of stability there. But in our spiritual life, when you're talking about God, it's even more important. Because we're talking about, you know, kind of the core of life and everything that, that we're trusting. That, that we can trust that God, when he makes a promise, God will fulfill a promise. And, and, and there's incredible peace in that. Christmas is one of those important times of year for that particular reason. And I want to kind of review some of the things that we maybe know, but some of the things that sometimes we don't reflect on enough uh, of this time of year. So we, we know kind of the nativity set, right? We know the story, uh, the different characters of the nativity story. One of the things that are interesting about kind of that nativity set is all of the parts and pieces that come together to bring everybody around uh, Jesus Christ that very, very first Christmas. And what's interesting as well is the promises that were made to each of these people and the promises that were fulfilled to get them to the place where they were there right in the presence of God. And what incredible peace took place as a result of them hearing God's promises and the promises being fulfilled. And so there's lots of those things uh, in the scripture and I'm going to go through them quickly where um, all of the kind of the different pieces of the nativity set, all of the promises that took place. So because I have a couple of nativity sets at home and because my, my mother is a strong proponent of nativity sets, I brought one of mine here today. My mother always gives nativity sets here um, and she has, she is really particular about uh, making sure there's a nativity set that the kids can play with because it's good for the kids to play because she's a teacher and hands-on uh, tactile illustrations are very helpful. So, so kindergartners, my mom was a kindergarten teacher for 17 years. Here we go. We're going to go through and we're going to have our little set. We start with this character. Anybody catch who this one is? It's Mary. Okay, all right. It's hard to see it, okay? If you want to later, you can come up and play with the nativity set, all right? They are very durable, all right? Uh, this is Mary. And Mary in the scripture, in Luke chapter one, it says this. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. So you see the promise made right there. The promise made to Mary, the angel showed up and immediately, and this is the reaction most people have when we're first encountering God and the trust hasn't been built up maybe yet, is that there is fear. There is fear uh, of, of what's taking place. And so it says, don't be afraid, but it says, Mary, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Jesus. So that's the first promise made right there to the nativity set characters that we, we see in scripture. The second one, of course, was Joseph. Let me see if I can figure out which one is Joseph here. That looks like Joseph to me. What do we think? Are we good with this being Joseph? If it's a wise man, please don't. Uh, all right, I think it is Joseph. All right, so here's Joseph. Put him right next to Mary right there. Joseph, this is the promise made to Joseph. It says this, 
But after he considered this, an, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to the, a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Uh, right there, if you look at that one, what he's considering is he's considering divorce. He's considering divorce because he finds out Mary is pregnant. And that is understandably a reason to consider divorce at this point in time in their marriage or their relationship where they're not married yet. And so he, the angel comes to him and says, don't be afraid. Don't fear the, these things that are taking place. It is okay. And she is going to give birth to a son named Jesus that will save the people from their sins. That's the promise made to Joseph. So Mary has the promise. Joseph has the promise. The angels come to both of them in different settings in different places so that they both understand the promise that God is uh, working on in their life. The third characters, I think I can figure out this one here. Anybody catch this one? Can you see the little guy right here? Thank you, shepherds. Thank you. This is interactive, everyone. Okay, the shepherds here, and we have props with the shepherds. Shepherds always have their sheep with them. So there we go. We got a little extra sheep right there. Shepherds with their sheep. And it says this in Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Luke 2 8 through 12. Again, we see almost the same exact pattern again. God is showing up and doing something that is uncomfortable, unusual, and surprising. And immediately the reaction is fear. And these shepherds are like, what in the world is going on? This is not what I expected in this moment. But the angel says, do not be afraid. This is good news. You're going to be a part of something unbelievable and incredible. Go and check it out. You will have this sign. This is the promise to the shepherds. You will find a baby in cloths and lying in a manger. That's the promise made to the shepherds. Uh, so the next people, are you ready? Anybody want to guess before I pull it out of the box? Uh, angels, you know what? Angels should be a part of this. They've been a part of all three of the stories so far. We've had them. So let's just, we're, I'm sorry. I didn't even bring the angels today. Uh, good guess, but we have the trio. I almost dropped the wise man, but he is a ruddy wise man. He can handle uh, being dropped. All right, we got wise men. I got to rearrange myself right here a little bit. Okay. Wise men. Yeah, that is a large wise man. All right, so um, we have the wise men. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in our message. But it, uh, this is what Matthew 2 says. When they saw the star. 
They were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so all of these people, and they, they studied and they watched, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, kind of their role in the story is they were, they were, they were seeking God. They were looking at the prophecies of the scripture, and they traveled to a foreign land, and, and, and they found what they saw promised in the Old Testament. And we have, I like, he looks pretty excited right here. This is our last piece of the puzzle. Here's Jesus. Uh, they all came and they all gathered. And this is the scene that we see outside of courthouses, people's homes, inside people's homes, outside of people's homes every Christmas year. This cast of characters all together that we can say and we see in Scripture over and over, promise made, promise made to them. Something is going to happen. This is what will take place and every single one of them promise fulfilled, promise fulfilled. And at that scene, they're there in the presence of God. And in that moment, it talks about these kind of emotions of Christmas that we light the candles for, the emotions of joy, the emotions of hope, the emotions of peace that come as a result of promise made promise fulfilled. If you, if you read further in the stories about Christmas, you read about other people as well that were a part of this promise. Of course, the entire nation of Israel was a significant part of this promise. They were all promised the Messiah that would come for years and years and years. Other people that are part of the Christmas story that weren't around the, the nativity set as we, as we celebrate it are people like Zechariah and Elizabeth who had John the Baptist who was an integral part of the Christmas story and like integral part about preparing the way for Jesus. How angels spoke to them about the coming Christ and they had promises made, promises fulfilled with scripture. There's a couple of other interesting characters that we see around the Christmas story. A character by the name of Simeon and another character by the name of Anna who see the baby Jesus and they are faithful people that have been praying, seeking, and wanting for the Messiah to come. And when that moment comes, they recognize and realize that the promise had been fulfilled. And so at Christmas time, we see all of these people brought together by the promise. All of the people brought together and all the people who are at that moment and the celebration and the gift of the Christmas is the promise was fulfilled. We can trust. We can trust what God says and what God says will come to pass. What an incredible moment, eureka kind of moment that takes place when we have a point in time where we're like, I don't know if it's going to work out, God. And then God shows up. And, and so Christmas time for these people was an incredibly powerful faith building moment, right? Because for these people, God made them a promise. God said, this is what's going to happen. And God fulfilled his promise. 
So for them, if you go back and probably interview them or talk to them years later, and actually some of the Christmas story accounts that we have, like Luke went back and we think he interviewed Mary and talked to her about what she was feeling in those moments and these things. is like, it was one of those watershed moments in time where they're like 50 years later, you look back and like, you know what? Maybe I have lots of, maybe I've had doubts in the future. I've had difficult times. I've had whatever. But I remember when God made me a promise and God fulfilled that promise. And so I can trust God. I can trust God in all of these other things that come in my life. What a watershed moment. What a significant moment in their lives that God was willing to do that. And so at Christmas time, it's really important for us to think about what this is. And one of the messages of Christmas that sometimes is not talked about enough is the fact that Christmas is a picture of something also that is to come. Because God made promises to these people about the coming Messiah. God made promises that Jesus would come. God made promises that Jesus would come and save these people from their sins. God made promises about all of these things and worked that out over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and it was finally fulfilled. And we celebrate every year because of that promise fulfilled in the first Christmas. But the message of Christmas that we forget sometimes is that Jesus made promises to us. Jesus made promises to us about what's next. And so I want to read that today in 2 Peter chapter 3. And if you want to follow along, it's going to come up on the screen. So not necessarily a traditional Christmas passage, but important for us today. It says this, Peter is recalling, Peter, the disciple um, that was really close to Jesus, writes these words. I want to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. See what he's saying. I want you to remember what happened in the past with the prophets and the command given to our Lord. So he's saying, remember what happened in the past. Remember what's coming in the future. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died. Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's words, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the word uh, of that time was deluged, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same wor- word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear like a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth 
and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and, and, and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So, it's an interesting, interesting kind of final note that Peter makes to people saying, this is how we should react and respond to the information that we've been given. We know what happened in the past. We know what took place. We know that Jesus came. We were witnesses of that. And when Jesus left this earth, he said, I will return. There will be a moment in time where I return. And so this Christmas season, as we think about those first people, they were issued these promises. They were issued that this is what will take place. This is what is going to happen. We can find ourselves kind of in the same boat as them, in the same category as them. People who have been given a promise. People who have been given a promise by God. That God says there will be a day where I return. Now, what is the first emotion that comes up when you think about the return of Christ and some of the language that it uses here in Second Peter? It says, there will be a day when uh, the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Is that the first emotion that you feel when you hear that is, oh, that's peaceful. That's a beautiful, peaceful setting. What a, what a, what a comforting Christmas message. I'm going to get out my cozy Christmas sweater and sit by the fire and just enjoy that. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not the one that you gather around the Christmas tree and read at Christmas time, right? It's not necessarily the one that you do because immediately the first response is the same response Mary had. The same response Joseph had, the same response the shepherds had, is the first response we have is fear. We have fear of the promise of God. We have fear that there's something that's going to take place. That sounds very uncomfortable and sounds like something is going to change drastically. That is not something that is exciting to me or gives me peace. But Peter is somebody that walked with God. He walked with Jesus. And he saw Jesus in action. He saw Jesus fulfill promises that were made. He saw all of these things. And there was lots of moments where Peter was really fearful. And he had problems with trust. Do you remember any of the stories about Peter? Peter, right before Jesus was going to go to the cross, he's the one that like denies knowing Jesus. And the rooster crows. This is the same person, Peter. He's the one that is fearful and doesn't quite trust sometimes. He's the one where Jesus is going to the cross and people are like, aren't you with him? And he is the one that doesn't trust God enough to say, yes, I am with him. He lies about it in that moment. He is fearful, but he sees the resurrected Christ 
and his life is transformed. And he comes to a point in time in his life in the future where he's seen over the course of years. God, when he makes a promise, he'll fulfill it. And it's going to be okay. When God says he's going to do something, God will do it. And God has good things in mind for us. And even when the message seems scary, when Peter is facing like things like death, and when Peter is hearing about things like there will be an end to this world, that is scary stuff, he says. And his concluding word right here is kind of like, he's like, you know what? We're looking forward to that promise. This is a promise God has made and we look forward to it. And the final words he says is he says, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, you should be looking forward to this. God made a promise to you. Make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. Be at peace with God. So I, I know there's a lot going on here, and, and it's easy to first and foremost have feelings of fear and, and despair when we're thinking about it. But what the Bible has told us, and it has told us clearly over and over, the details maybe are unclear, but the big picture is very clear. What the Bible has told us is all of the wars and the death and the destruction and the pain and all of the things that we see in and around us in this world one day will come to an end. It'll be, it'll be over. There will be a day where God says enough is enough. There will be a day where God says it's over. And God will reign and there will be no more sin and there will be no more death. There will be a day where it is said and done. And Peter is somebody that has latched onto this promise, sees it, and is living in a world with lots of death and destruction all around him. He's living in a time where Christians are being killed for being Christians. He's living in a time where there's poverty all over the place. And he is saying, God, thank you for that promise that someday you are going to put you are going to fulfill what you intended from the very beginning and you're going to put an end to sin and you're going to put an end to death. And we will live with you in heaven. God will be with us. God will fulfill the promise he made. Just like he was there for Mary, Joseph, shepherds, and wise men, God will be with us and will live with him forever and ever with no more sin, no more death, no more crying, and no more pain. And Peter is like, God, that is your promise. And so I'm at peace. I'm at peace with that. Even though it's a little scary and uncertain and all these things, I am at peace with that because I've seen you've made promises before and you fulfill promises. I've seen you do that. And he, he talks right here in this passage about people who would be critics of this message. We've, we've gone through 2,000 Christmases, right? It's a lot of Christmases. We've gone through a lot of time and like there has been eras where people have said, Christ is returning in 1988. 
People said, say stuff like this. Remember Y2K was 20 years ago? We're celebrating the 20 years of Y2K and everybody said, Y2K, the computers are going to explode and they're going to take over and everything's over and gone. The whole earth exploding because the computers don't have enough digits. Uh, I mean, like we've gone through time periods like this and people have said, you know what? Life is kind of come and gone and nothing really has like changed. I don't buy it. I don't buy it that Christ is coming back. I don't buy it that there will be an end to this. But he says, you know what? There's always going to be people that don't believe it. There's always going to be people that are scoffers and doubters. But I'll tell you this, Peter, who saw Jesus rise from the dead and make promises and fulfill them, says, I believe the promise. I believe the promise. I believe that when he says that, he's going he's gonna to fulfill it. And it's not that the Lord is slow in keeping his promises. However, he is making sure that, that everyone has opportunity to accept him and repent. And that's what we're doing in the meantime. Everyone has opportunity and time to turn to God and make peace with their Savior, make peace with their Maker. He's given people that opportunity. But there will be a day where the Lord comes and returns. That's some heavy stuff. That's a big Christmas message. That is some some really important stuff. And at the end of it, he says, that's something that should bring us peace. It's something that we should trust in. It's something that we should know and understand. What kind of people should we be for having that information? We should be the type of people that live holy and godly lives. We should be the type of people that are really diligent about following God. We should be the type of people that are really diligent about making peace with our Savior. Let me tell you, tell you this. There is times where you might still be in the category of scoffer and doubter. And I understand that. If you are there and you're still in that place where there's doubts that are lingering, um, I think that you need to make sure that this, this story becomes a little bit more personal for you. Mary and Joseph, this got pretty personal, didn't it? They had some personal promises that were made and personal promises that were fulfilled. If you want to make this more personal and make this something that is really something you can celebrate and personally like uh, find peace with, is I would say is make it more personal for you. If you wanted more prayers to be answered, then what you should do is you should pray more. You should do more things that require some faith. You should do things that like that give opportunity for God to fulfill those promises. And so if you want to if you want to see God show up in your life, give God opportunity to fulfill his promises in your life. Give him a chance. Um do things that require faith. Do things that are a little uncomfortable for you. Do things that, that, that stretch you a little bit and trust that God will show up. And what I have found is when I've done things that were really hard for me in my faith, when I've done things where I said, God, I'm following you in this, even though I don't fully understand, and God showed up. And God fulfilled his promises. And God did something in my life that was faith building. That was incredibly faith-building for me. 
And then all of a sudden, I have years of experience of seeing promises fulfilled in my life. And I've, I, I've seen it firsthand. And so if you want to make Christmas something that is very personal and real to you, what I challenge you to do is I challenge you to get more personal with God. Get more personal about things. Start praying for the things that you desire in your heart. Start praying and seeking for things that God wants to fulfill in your life. Start asking God to, to God, what, what do you have for me that's next? Start praying more, asking for God and taking steps of faith. And what I have found over the course of years in my walk with God is that God's shown up and the trust level has gone high. And so I'm at a point where I say, God, if you say it, I believe it. My trust level has been built up. You have come through time and time and time again. And God, I trust you. And God, when you say stuff like the elements will be destroyed by fire and stuff like, I'm at peace. Where there may have been moments in time in my life where that would have been terrifying. There's now... I'm at a place in my life where the trust level has built up to the point where it's like, it's okay. What is your trust level with God in these things? And what I challenge you to do is, is do things that, that stretch your faith a little bit in this coming year. Do things that give you opportunity for God to show up and fulfill his promises in your life. Is there something in your life that is a desperate situation? Is there something in your life that has been a struggle and a doubt and a fear and, and, and something that has like beaten you time and time again? Cry out to God and make a commitment. I am going to pray God for this every day of my life and I'm going to trust that you can do something about it. And if God shows up, that is going to be a moment that your faith is going to increase exponentially. Because God... When he makes promises, he fulfills promises. And he does things. These people get it. They got it. They had that moment and they were with Christ. And the promise that God gives us is that we too can have a relationship with our creator. We too can be in the presence of God. We too can have moments of time where heaven and earth collide and God's promises that are beyond us come to pass in our life. Wow, we can celebrate that, right? What a celebration. So I encourage you to, to be one of those people that, that get off the sidelines and say, God, I'm going to do things that stretch and push my faith. I'm going to make this more personal and I'm going to seek those things because God, I believe that you're the kind of God that fulfills promises. Promises made, promises kept. That's what God has done from the beginning of time and will continue to do. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for what you have done in the past. And it's grateful to look back and it's grateful to celebrate and it's grateful to, we're grateful to remember that the angels came and these prophecies were fulfilled and people like shepherds and people like wise men showed up 
What an incredible story of what you did long ago. But God, we know that you are not done doing things. We know the promises are not over. We know that you've made promises in our life. And God, we pray that you would build something within us, build up that trust factor. That we'd see things that we couldn't deny that you were at work. Because we're making this personal. We're really investing in it. We're praying to you. We're seeking you. We're seeking your direction in our life. And God, we know that you will build our faith. So God, I pray that you would help us to to trust in you. Help us to do something to build that trust. And God, we pray that this Christmas season we truly could celebrate. As we look back and we we think about all the things that you have done and you have fulfilled and you you have made come to pass in our life. And if God, if we're still doubting and scoffing, God, I pray that next Christmas we'd be able to look at back at 2020 and say, look at all the things that the steps that I made, the promises that you made and you fulfilled. So, God, I pray that you would build our faith. So that we would have peace. Peace with you. want to ask you to take some time right now and to take a step of faith right here in this room. What is something that really is on your heart? What is something that you need God's intervention with? Maybe it may be something with a family member, a job situation, a personal issue that you would say, God, I need you to show up here because I'm struggling. Make it personal and cry out to God right here. Ask God to help. Ask God to intervene. Take that step of faith. And I believe God will show up. And I believe your faith will be built. So whatever's on your mind right now, pray to God and ask God to do something about that and keep praying and keep seeking.